You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. It's National Championship Game Week. I'm Billy Umbody. We'll have Anna Hickey from Clemson 247 coming on to join us in one, sec- in one second. But first, guys, a quick reminder, if you haven't subscribed to either Go 24-7 or Clemson 24-7, definitely take advantage of that 30% off annual subscriptions. And for just $1, you can get that first month, which carries you through the national championship game and the national signing day in February. Let's bring on Anna Hickey to preview LSU Clemson on Monday night in New Orleans. Anna, thanks for uh, joining the pod with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm super excited about this game. Yeah, it's uh, going to be quite uh, quite the treat, I think, with, with LSU and Clemson getting together for this one. Uh, two teams that obviously uh, have two great quarterbacks, and, and one with Clemson that is the defending national champion, and LSU's certainly looking to return uh, to their national championship winning ways in New Orleans. Let's start with this, because I, I think it'll be, it'll be very interesting to, to see how Travis Etienne, the Clemson running back, and Jennings, Louisiana native, uh, performs in New Orleans in his own state. You had a great story up on the site about two years ago when he, when he was kind of rattled uh, quite frankly, in, in his in his uh, home state, playing against Alabama in that national title game loss. What did you take away from your time with Travis this week at, at Media Day? Yeah, so Travis is normally this really happy-go-lucky kid. Um, he's super humble and pretty much he comes across as not really understanding why there's so much hype around him. Um, he, he frequently will say, I'm just a regular dude, and I, I can't believe that you know, these teams and these coaches scheme around me. Um, but yesterday in media day, we kind of saw a different Travis, um, super dialed in, super focused. And I think there's a lot to do with that. Um, this game is huge for him for a lot of reasons. But I, I think mainly it's because he's got a chance to go back to Louisiana, where he's from, play in his home state in front of a lot of friends and family, and then play against the team that pretty much snubbed him in the recruiting process until late. And then redeem himself, Um, like you mentioned, he had a pretty bad game as a true freshman uh, in the Sugar Bowl against Alabama, 24-6 to loss, actually the last time that Clemson suffered a loss. Um, Bad in pass protection and then got knocked out. Not knocked out of the game, but kind of suffered a hard hit on the open kickoff and was really never quite himself as a runner the rest of the game. And then on top of that, you've got the fact that this is probably his last game as a Clemson Tiger. He hasn't officially declared, but pretty much all signs are – pointing to him entering the NFL draft after this season. So I think you're just going to see a super motivated Travis. Um, also, because last game, I mean, I know he still had a huge impact on the game as a pass catcher who touched him that way, but as a runner, he was bottled up. He had, I want to say, 36, 36 yards on 10 carries, like 3.6 per carry, uh, and that is not going to cut it against LSU. So, um I think that you'll see Clemson try to get him going early in the game. And it, coming into the, the bowl season, averaging eight yards a carry for his career, just a just a terrific run for him as he, like you said, is likely headed off to the NFL uh, after this game. One player that'll be returning for his uh, junior season next year and, and certainly could be 
having a say in the number one overall pick in the draft next year is Travis or Trevor Lawrence, the uh, star quarterback for Clemson, and and certainly somebody who, again, when you listen to him at media day, he he doesn't really make it a big deal. He he's been here before, obviously. He's he's won a national championship game. He's never lost a starting quarterback uh, at the college level, and he really. Uh, I forget the last time he's lost a, a, a game, uh, even as a, a star quarterback out of Georgia in the high school ranks. But this is this is somebody that I think can, can certainly, after the Ohio State game and his ability to run, can have uh, obviously a huge say in the game. Is is he going to be able to direct this offense to enough points to, to keep up with the Heisman Trophy winner in Joe Burrow? Yeah, that's the question. Um, I think, first of all, it's got to – what he was victim of earlier in the season when he was, quote, struggling a little bit was he was trying to force too much. I think he just entered the season with so many expectations after last year. I mean, he didn't face any adversity last season. He came on and beat Kelly Bryant in the middle of the season around game week four, week five, for the starting job, and then never looked back. I mean, cruised through the regular season, cruised against Notre Dame, cruised against Alabama in the national championship, and and Davos said it earlier this season, you know, that's just not really reality. Um, you know, it would be silly to think that he's not going to face, as good as he is, he's not going to face any adversity throughout his three, four years at Clemson. So I think, and then also he was coming in, obviously, as the highest in the front runner. Um, and in the beginning of this, season, I think he was just trying to do too much. He was trying to fit balls in the tight windows downfield where he should have just checked down, thrown it out of bounds or even tucked it and ran, in which I think we've seen a lot of that or more of that throughout the season and that kind of climax against Ohio State when you saw him just totally carve up Ohio State on a couple occasions with legs. So um, I think against LSU, he's got to realize, I think he will because he's done a good job of this. He hasn't thrown an interception since, I want to say, the Louisville game. Um, And he's been the highest rate, one of the highest rated quarterbacks in the country since the middle of the season. So, I think he's just got to trust the playmakers around him. He's got to trust the the scheme um, and play within the scheme and not try to do too much because, I mean, his arm will carry him. He, he can make all the throws. Um, he's adept as a runner. You know, he'll have success if he just kind of stays within the offense. Um, and then also his receivers have got to play, make plays. They didn't do a very good job of that against Ohio State. That 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 game against Ohio State with with Lawrence's ability to to run the football was that something that you mentioned him him tucking it a little bit more late in the year? But did you even maybe see him being that big of a factor in the run game? And do you do you expect that to kind of be the case potentially against LSU as well? I did, I did. I think I wrote like I'm not. I mean, I'm not not counting Lawrence's legs as a, as a potential X factor in the game. But I did kind of maybe foresee it. I mean, did I see a 67 yard? rush touchdown no but I did think that Lawrence was going to have to use his legs against Ohio State just because of how how good that defense was you know you literally needed every single weapon you could have in the book to to beat them Um, and against LSU I don't know if he'll be as effective because I think he'll have a little bit more time in the pocket to go through his progressions and look downfield and then I also think Travis will have a little bit more room to run so I don't know how much Clemson will have to rely on Lawrence's legs to move the ball I mean will he yeah I think he definitely will take advantage of some scramble opportunities but I don't know if it'll be to the extent we saw against Ohio State um, and Dallas this whole season has been kind of hard on the fact that y'all are missing out or we're missing out if you're not 
you know, wary of what Lawrence can do as a runner. He's six six, two twenty, but I mean, you guys, he solved Ohio State. If you hadn't seen it before, he can move, um, and he'll put a move on you too in the open space. So, um, yeah, I don't know what the game plan will be against LSU on that front because I know Dabo said to us. After the game, he wrote down on his play sheet that morning of the Ohio State game, he wrote down quarterback run and running back pass. And those are the two things that ended up carrying uh, Clemson against Ohio State. But that game was totally different, at least in my mind, than what this game is going to be. Um, that was in the 20s, obviously. Clemson's going to have to – they're not going to be able to just rely on a couple of plays here and there to get three, four, two, three touchdowns. They're going to – they need to be scoring pretty much every time they touch the ball if they want to – pace with what LSU is probably going to do. And look, I, I think this game might be a little bit lower scoring than than I think some people might think. I've you know look talk a little bit more predictions uh, and kind of how we see it playing out later on. But I, I think both defenses have been slighted for a long time, and uh, you know, or at least LSU's has you know especially. But Clemson's defense. Did a great job limiting Ohio State on the scoreboard. They they gave up over 500, 500 yards, but they were really able to force turnovers and and then really take advantage of, of stopping them uh, when they needed to uh, more than anything. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about the defensive side of the ball on the other side of this break from the Go Twenty Four Seven podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Appreciate you guys being with us. Anna Hickey on the podcast, previewing LSU Clemson in the national championship game, 7 o'clock central time on ESPN. And you can follow uh, all of our work on 24-7 sports, on Go 24-7, on Clemson 24-7. And Ohio State has been so dominant all year, just very similar to LSU offensively. And Clemson was able to hold them to just 23 points on the scoreboard. They gave up over 500 yards of, of total offense, but what was kind of the secret for Clemson for for people that maybe maybe watched the game, but but take us inside kind of how they were able to hold uh, the Buckeyes to 23 points. Yeah, I mean they were moving the ball up and down the field in the first quarter, first half, like like how, I mean however they wanted to, and it seemed like Clemson couldn't do anything to stop them from moving the ball. But then once they got in between the 20s, down by the 20s, it was a whole different story. And Clemson's defense kind of bowed up like they, they've done in the past. I mean, their red, de- red zone defense under Brent Venables has just been terrific. Um, last year against Alabama, we saw it, and then we saw it again against Ohio State. And you, they forced Ohio State to kick those field goals, um, and it was 16-0 to when it seemed like it should have been 
35 to zero. So I think that'll be another big key against in the national championship for Clemson, because I think you're fooling yourself if you don't think LSU is going to move the ball against Clemson. Um, and so when LSU does, they do get down there in the 20 yard line, there's going to be less space to work with. Um, and we know that LSU likes to get its playmakers in space and they kind of thrive on the space game. And then they like, I think the Clemson's going to have that working for their advantage to their advantage. Um, and then I just think the way Venable is going to scheme on the back end, you can do a little bit more. You can do di- things differently on the back end when you kind of have less space to work with. Um, and that's going to be a huge key for Clemson. I know against Ohio State, we saw them bring on a freshman safety that really hadn't played any quality snaps all season. And he was brought on at another defensive back. And that was a huge uh, second and third down stop in the red zone. So maybe we see more of that from Clemson, but um, I, red zone defense definitely going to be key. And Clemson, uh, number two in the country entering the game in total defense. A really impressive job, once again, by Brent Venables there. And for me, that kind of – it's a little bit similar to, to how I, I think, or it could, depending on how LSU executes, end up a little bit like the Auburn game for LSU where they were able to rack up nearly 600 yards of offense, but maybe you know, Clemson is able to do what Auburn did to LSU, which was kind of you know, stymie them a little bit in the red zone, force them to kick some field goals, force, force a turnover here or there. And, and, and kind of keep it close and stay in the game. Who, and, and we talked about this before we started recording, but the defensive line for Clemson, you mentioned to me that it isn't as maybe, maybe talented or is it not, is it depth? Is it, where does the Clemson line kind of stand? Because getting pressure on Joe Burrow and how they dial up pressure is going to be a key in this one as well. The talent and depth, um, Clemson, I mean, when, it's to be expected, I think, when you have your four starters all drafted, three in the first, first round, um, like we saw Clemson in this offseason. But I also think part of it is a few of Clemson's projected stars this season along the defensive line maybe haven't stepped up like we thought they would. Um, and I think it's fair to kind of mention Xavier Thomas in that breath. He did miss a few games this season three with um, concussion symptoms. But even before that and since then, I mean, we haven't seen a game record like we thought he would be coming out of high school, five-star billing, number one strong side end in the country. And I'm not saying he can't get there. And I'm not saying the physical tools aren't there because they certainly are, but we just have yet to see him kind of take over a game. Um, I can't remember the last time he's had a sack. So that's part of it. And then also just youth. I mean, Clemson starting Dave Thomas at one side and then Justin Foster, a redshirt sophomore on the other side. Those who were obviously playing behind Cleveland Farrell and Austin Bryant last year. And then when they're, Playing three down, like they played a lot, and then they'll have Tyler Davis, a true freshman in the middle. So, and that kind of says a lot. If you're, I mean, Tyler Davis is a great player, but if that's who you're counting on the most as a true freshman on the inside, um, I think Niles Pinkney has had, he had his ups and downs this season. He only played, I think he played less than 10 snaps against Ohio State, and he entering the season, we thought he was going to be Clemson's best defensive tackle. So, I just think Venables has kind of had a scheme around that. Um, and, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see what does, because if you don't get not getting pressure in the backfield is one thing, but if you don't get home and wrap Burrow up, I don't think you have a chance because we saw, we saw Auburn come out with that three, one, seven, right. But Clemson doesn't have the lineman that Auburn does. 
to be able to drop eight every single time and just kind of trust that those front three to to infiltrate the backfield. They don't have that. So I think maybe they'll do a little bit more of what Georgia did, where they Georgia played a lot of three down, but they sent pressure in from various places, whether the second or third level. And then a lot of times the blitzes were called up in a great manner and they executed, they got home, they just didn't wrap them up. And so I think Burrow was able to scramble with his legs and buy more time and find guys downfield too. So if, if Clemson's going to follow that model in any, uh, in any sort of fashion, they're going to have to tackle him. Yeah, and, and you mentioned you mentioned that 317 that Auburn came out with. You mentioned you were going three down. Joe Burrow has said that mo- most everybody that has defended LSU this year hasn't come out in what they've normally played defensively. So I'm really interested to see what Brent Venables has uh, in store. And quickly on the, the secondary, I guess I feel like we've got to touch on this. LSU has the Blitnikoff Award winner and Jamar Chase and two future NFL receivers in Terrace Marshall and, and Justin Jefferson in all likelihood. What? How do you see the secondary matching up uh, against this? Because I know they they did have some issues with you know, certainly Ohio State and Garrett Wilson and um, Olave and and all of those guys that the Buckeyes have. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's a good question. I mean, I don't know how we're going to do it because you look, Clemson's corners are locked down corners, uh, and AJ Terrell and Darren Kendrick, um, both. Kendrick was a five-star guy. AJ was a high four-star guy. So I, they'll be able to, I think, hold their own on the outside. Now that's one. That's one only one part of the battle. I mean, LSU likes to obviously move their wide receivers around, and it doesn't matter if he's an outside guy, he'll line up in the slot. So and then he's created a mismatch. So I don't know what Clemson does. I mean, do they bring a third cornerback on the field? We haven't seen that all season. Do they bring in, like I said, a freshman to kind of play more dime back there? Um, when they go three down typically this season, they've kept Jamie Skowski and Chad Smith and Mike and Will, and then they've moved Isaiah Simmons, who I think could be an X-factor in this game, just all kind of all over the field. Sometimes he'll play in the box. Sometimes he'll line up to deep safety. You just kind of never know where he's going to be. So that'll be huge for Clemson and how Venables uses him. Um, and then they'll use those two safeties, Tanner Muse and Kayvon Wallace, both really experienced guys, but not the most talented. I mean, the talented, but not not in terms of, oh, they're going to be first-round draft picks. I mean, in terms of the athleticism. But they but they know what they're supposed to be doing, and they are such good players in Venables' scheme, so it works. And the same thing can be said with Nolan Turner, who's the other who's kind of the other defensive back that comes in on those packages. Um, his only offer was Clemson, and I don't even think he had a rating coming out of high school. So you've got there's a three, the three three star two three star safeties, Nolan Turner, and then you've got two linebackers and Mike Aaron, Chad, and Jamie with a three star and a four star. You've got that plus the elite corners trying to to defend LSU's passing attack. So on paper, it doesn't make any sense really, but um, I think with what Venables is able to do scheme wise, and then just how hard Clemson's players play on the back end, and they know where they're supposed to be, and they under have such a good understanding of the defense and. Um, I think they stand a chance because of that. But if if you're just looking at paper, uh, I, this is definitely not the most talented secondary that LSU will have faced this season. Yeah, and that's why they paid Brent Venables uh, almost as much as they <laughs> yeah, exactly. were to figure it out. Uh, he's a good one. He'll at least have something, I think, for LSU that, that they'll have to kind of 
work through and figure out uh, how we're going to attack it um, without a doubt. And let, let's finish up with this. Uh, you mentioned Clemson's wide receivers early in the game. And just kind of as an X factor, you, you told me that T. Higgins coming off that game against Ohio State, you're, you've got your eye on him because of everything he's got on the line, not only a national championship, but but a little uh, kind of similar to Travis, a little bit of a, 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 a bounce back type of mentality heading into this one. Yeah, he was knocked out of the game second time that Trevor targeted him downfield against Ohio State. It was kind of an odd play. It didn't look like he got hit in the head, um, but his helmet came off. It's kind of like the Ohio State DB just kind of lifted it off his head as they were going up for the ball, and accidentally, of course. And then we saw T go to the locker room. He came back in the second half. It wasn't quite himself. Um, uh, Hakuda and Ohio State held him under 50 yards. And I think that was a matchup going into that game that was billed as, like, one of the marquee matchups. It was Ohio State's DBs versus Clemson's wide receivers. And, you know, how was that going to play out? And I think, objectively, Ohio State won that battle. Uh, Justin Ross was also dealing with some nagging injuries there, too. But overall, I just think T. Higgins and Ross and Rogers and Overton, they got a little, they've got something to prove this game. Um, and what's interesting is that the DB competition, especially on the outside, doesn't really drop off at all. And you're going over again to Eric Stingley and Christian Fulton, and then you add Delpit and Stevens in there, too. So um, I think Higgins will be healthy. It wasn't a concussion. So we talked to him yesterday, and he said he can't really remember the play, which is kind of an odd thing to say. But, he, I mean, if it was a concussion, he obviously wouldn't have been able to come back into the game. He said it was body soreness. So, you know, kind of a little bit of uncertainty what actually happened. But I think bottom line, he's been practicing. He hasn't been limited in practice, and he'll be good to go. So I think this is a second chance for him to kind of show what he's made of before he goes to NFL draft. And then, you know, just getting – it's his last time being coached by Jeff Scott, wide receivers coach who took the head coaching job at USF. So there's just a lot of factors, I think, for, for wide receiver view with how they brand themselves to kind of come out and, and have a good game and, and showcase themselves on this stage. Well, awesome, and I, I guess I'd be remiss if I if I didn't ask you without uh, you know maybe giving a score. How do you see this one playing out? What's the what's your really I guess prediction on on who ends up being the next national champion? I don't have necessarily a score prediction yet. Um, I can decide if I want to go like in the 40s, like we saw LSU Bama, or if I want to stay in the in the 30s. I'm not sure, but um, I do right now have LSU edging this one out. Um, I would not be surprised. Just like the Ohio State Clemson game, I I picked Clemson in a three-point win, but I said I would not have been surprised if Ohio State won, and obviously that game could have gone either way if we came down to the the last play. So um, kind of similar thinking in this one. I think the line is, what, six right now, five or six? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if I would even touch that. But I I think (laughs) I I do like LSU um, straight up, I think. Too many. It just seems like LSU is just this team of of destiny this year. I don't I know if maybe that sounds cheesy, but just with with what they've been able to do with Burrow, Heisman winner, just had an insane season. Um, Orgeron, Brady, just everything just kind of seems like it's coming up LSU this year, playing in New Orleans in the Superdome in front of essentially a home crowd. Um, I just think it's going to be really hard for Clemson to keep pace with this LSU offense. 
Well, we will see. Uh, luckily, I'm running the pod. I don't have to give my prediction just yet, <laughs> but uh, I do think uh, somehow LSU uh, comes away with it in, in, in the Superdome. I, I haven't settled on any sort of score either, but um, it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be uh, obviously pretty lit in uh, South Louisiana all weekend, uh, getting yeah, ready for wait. this one. Yeah, so uh, Anna, thanks so much for joining the pod. Safe travels down to Louisiana. Enjoy, enjoy New Orleans. I'm sure we'll We'll cross paths uh, with Media Day and, and the game and, and certainly all that. All right. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. And that'll wrap up this edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, I'm going to keep it locked on Go 24-7 and Clemson 24-7 for the latest on LSU Clemson meeting in the Nash Championship game on Monday night. Have a great week, everyone. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.